Well, today, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 2. It is continu- We're uh, going to continue to tell a story that has been connected with Christmas. Uh, after all, it is still Christmas time. And um, uh, we're going to tell a story uh, that, that um, probably all of you are familiar with. We're going to go to the scriptures and read it. It's about the three wise men. And most of us know the three wise men uh, from the, the nativity. We know that there are three wise men in the nativity set, you know, and uh, I heard a story about a guy from up north who came down here to the south, and he was really shocked at how many open displays of the nativity he was seeing, and he drove past one, and he he saw it, and it looked a little unique, so he pulled over and says, I got to go get a little closer look at this nativity. He goes up and looks, and there is, of course, Joseph and Mary and Jesus in a manger, and he sees these three wise men, but all of them are wearing hats from the fire department. (laughs) And he was like, what is this? I've never seen a nativity like this. And there was a little grandma walking by. He says, hey, hey, Grammy, Granny, Granny, um, can I ask you a question? Why are these wise men wearing, you know, fireman helmets? She says, you Yankees just don't read your Bible. <laughs> the Bible says the wise men came from afar. Just explain it to your neighbor. If they haven't gotten it yet, just explain it to them. Explain it to them. A fire. Well, we're going we're gonna to look into the story of uh, the three wise men today, which has uh, for a long time been connected to the Christmas story. We're going to take a little closer look at it. And uh, I hope I don't ruin your Christmas picture because we're going to actually... Uh, 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 actually uh, disassemble this and look at it a little, little closer. And I want to speak a message to you today called Follow the Signs. Follow the Signs. Now, in my house, I have a brand new driver. He has, he has his permit. He's on the second row. I let him know, you've got your permit to be my chauffeur. You're going to drive everywhere. But... You need to follow the signs, okay? You got to follow the signs. How many of you have ever missed a sign and it's been costly? Heard the worst question ever asked to any person on the planet? Do you know why I pulled you over? (laughs) That's a terrible question because if you say yes, you have no idea if you're going to give them the right answer. (laughs) Follow the signs. You have to follow the signs or it could be costly. And today we're going to look in on this story. And I believe there is a right now message from this story for us as we follow the signs. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed 
and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard uh, the king, they went their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod... They return to their own country by another route. Now, I want to give you some things that you need to know about this story. The Magi are actually Eastern astrologers. These are not uh, followers of uh, Yahweh God. These are not men who, who knew Israel and its covenants and promises. These are not followers of God. These are Gentile leaders who studied the stars and had actually heard ancient predictions of a coming king. Now, they were, they were not just wise men. They were actually involved in uh, pagan worship. Now, this is the part um, that is probably, as you are about to go home this week and disassemble your own nativity, I, here's what I do not want you to do. I don't want you to throw out the wise men when I tell you what I'm about to tell you, okay? They were not at the birth of Christ. The wise men were not at the birth of Christ. You say, how do you know this? Where did they go to see Jesus? The house. How many of you remember when Jesus was born, there was no room in the inn. He was laid in a, in a manger. Some, some would say uh, a place for the keeping of animals, more like a hollowed out spot in a rock, like a cave. Okay, so... Uh, he was found in a house. He was also not described as a baby. He was described as a child. Here's the other reason that we know this did not happen at the night of his birth. Here's how we know it. When the Magi told Herod the exact time the star had begun to rise. Herod then surmises in, the, in, in just, a, just a little while, he's going to make a decree that all male children two years older and younger are to be killed in this region. Why does he select two years old? 
because the Magi have come to them and told them what? The exact time the sign started to rise. So this is not happening at the birth of Christ. Now please, put the wise men next to the manger. Keep it together. Don't throw it away. Don't, don't freak out, okay? But now, the stars were a sign. And this whole scene actually goes back to a pagan king named Balak. Who, was, who grabbed this prophet in Numbers 24 and said, listen, here's what I need you to do. I hate Israel. I want bad stuff to, to happen to them. However, nothing evil can come against them unless God says it's able to come against them. So Balak grabs Balaam and says, Balaam, I want you to prophesy against Israel. This is what Balaam says. Balaam says, I can only say what the Lord tells me to say. I can only say what the Lord tells me to say. And every time he begins to prophesy and the spirit of the Lord comes on him, he only prophesies good of Israel. The first time, the second time, the third time, and Balak is like, man, will you please stop it? You're only, he's saying, no, you don't understand. I can only say what the Lord tells me to say. And the fourth time he sends him, it says, try again. This prophecy about the star comes in Numbers chapter 24. You should go back and read the whole story, Numbers 23 and 24. Numbers 24, 17 says, this is, this is, this is Balaam. He says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob and will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab and the skulls of the people of Sheth. Here's the, here are these, this pagan king gets a prophecy hundreds of years in advance. And, and many scholars believe the only reason these magi knew about a star coming out of Jacob is from this moment. That they had heard it from their pagan king who actually hated Israel and was trying to curse it. He's saying this would be a sign. And here's where God connects the story to our lives. In their lifetime, there was a sign that rose that pointed toward Jesus. I want to ask you, have you been following the signs this year? Can you look back on the months preceding and see wildfires going over this nation in an unprecedented way in Southern California, wildfires so great in Colorado that the two, uh, one is named the Troublesome Fire. And they blow together and create havoc. Did you see a sign that was pointing to Jesus? Did you, did you hear of the famines that had swept over Africa? Did you hear of the locusts that came and was eating the harvest? Did you hear of the signs that were pointing to Jesus? Did anybody hear of a little thing called COVID-19? 
And many people saw a sign, but they didn't pay attention to the sign. And I believe the signs tell us to find Jesus. And the signs are to lead you to Jesus. And I would, I would say it to you this way. I actually believe that there are people who are worshiping the signs. There are people who are enamored with the, the failures and the, 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 the hurt that's going on. Matter of fact, our news networks celebrate all of the catastrophe in hopes of eyeballs that people would worship the signs. Let me tell you what happens when you worship signs. A spirit of fear falls on your heart and you suddenly become paralyzed from moving forward when all along the signs that have been coming upon this planet were supposed to be pointing you toward Jesus. See, signs lead you to Jesus. And I gotta tell you, I'll never look back at 2020 and think, that was the worst year. I won't. I would never. Oh, it's the year of God's presence, the year of God's increase. I love 2020 because in the middle of the pandemic, when everybody was shut down and nobody knew what to do, God had said in the beginning, before we knew anything about it, he said, in April, I want this church to go to three services. I said, what? I remember when I told our staff, I said, gentlemen, we're going to three services. I heard the Lord on it. They said, okay, when? Maybe like the fall? I said, no, no, no. Before Easter, their eyes got this big. I said, no. They're... And, then, and then the pandemic comes and our government leader says, churches are not allowed to meet. They said, they're not allowed to meet. Groups of 10 or less. You remember this. Thank God our governor stepped in. Thank God for Ron DeSantis. Amen. He steps in, and then we're still having to navigate in wisdom. We're still having to navigate in care. We've got a community of people we love and we care about. But I heard the Lord say, no, you're still going to go to three services. I'm like, uh, God, I don't know if you were paying attention. But we're closed right now. <laughs> the, people aren't coming. And God said, no, go to three services. And then here's the wisdom of God. When we went to three services and then opened back up just a couple of weeks later, there was room for everybody to spread out and room for people to worship. And now what God is doing is he's just filling all three services. I'll never look back at 2020 as the, as the year of devastation. I'll look back on 2020 and say 2020 was the year of elevation. 2020 was the year where there were signs everywhere pointing toward Jesus. And just in case you're here today and you didn't see the sign. And God's justice comes knocking on your life and says, ah, do you know why I pulled you over? <laughs> do you know why I slowed you down? Yeah. Do you know why I crushed your God of entertainment? 
Do you know why, gentlemen, I crushed your God of sports? Do you know why that you could no longer trust in the strength of man nor his economy? Do you know why I pulled you over? I think you missed a sign. You may have missed a sign. You see, when these men saw the sign begin to rise, here's what they did. They ready horses. They readied themselves, made their packs and said, it's time that we begin to move out. Because we have to find what the sign is leading us to. We have to go and find the one who has been spoken of for years. And I just want to let you know here today, if you've been missing the signs, they're all pointing toward Jesus. And let me tell you, this story, as we focus on verses 9 through 11, tells us what happens when you find Jesus in the midst of the signs. In the midst of the signs, this is what happens. When you find Jesus because God has been pointing you in his direction, here's what you find. You find joy. You're filled with joy. Uh Uh-oh. Have you been hearing that message recently? If you've been following us on daily prayer, if you've been following us probably since March, we've, been, we've just known that joy was supposed to mark our lives no matter what was going on on the outside. Notice what happened uh, when, when these magi followed the sign and found Jesus. Verse 10 says, when they saw the star, what? They were overjoyed. They weren't simply joyed, they were overjoyed. I wonder, church, when you saw the signs pointing you toward Jesus, were you overjoyed? Were you overjoyed at the idea that God was going to put the world on a Sabbath so that we could begin to seek him like never before? When we said, we don't have time for family, God says, I'll give you time for family. When you say, I don't have time for my marriage, God said, I'll give you time for your marriage. He said, I don't have time to worship God. Now, all you got is time. When you saw the sign. Did you go find Jesus? And if you did, you would have been filled with joy. Overjoyed. Why? Because Psalm 16 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. He says, you you will show me the path of life. Psalm 16, verse 11, you will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures evermore. Now, I get what you probably think. You know, what if I was a Magi and I got on my horse and I had made this trek over hundreds of miles, perhaps the journey would have taken even months. You would have said, man, if I had been the discoverer of the king that was rising out of Judah, the one who had been prophesied hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in advance, and I was one of the three, yeah, sure, I would be overjoyed. By the way, the scripture says you, don't have to, you didn't have to be there 2,000 years ago to experience this kind of joy. 1 Peter 1.6 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Hello. Does that sound like this year? That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, Though now 
You do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He's saying, listen, when you follow the signs and it leads to Jesus, and it leads to a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. You ought to have people asking you, why are you so joyous when things look like they're falling apart? It's because I know the one who isn't. Whose throne will forever stand. I'm telling you in his presence is fullness of joy. And if you follow the signs, they point to Jesus. And when you find him, you will find joy. That's why the hymn writer Isaac Watts penned these words. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let the earth receive her king let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing now listen when you follow the signs and you find jesus there's there's another response it it, it continues in this story when you find him because you follow the signs you worship him notice what they did they 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 came in and they opened their treasures. No, I'm sorry. They, uh, on coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother. They bowed down and worshipped him. They bowed down and worshipped him. I got to ask you. When you saw the signs, and perhaps some of you knew that Jesus was the answer. Did you come this last year into a greater place of worship? This word worship, it's amazing. I, I think you need the proper picture painted from the depth of the word. The word in Greek is proskunio. It means to kiss toward. It means that your life of worship is constantly blowing kisses to heaven. It means to bow. It means to say, oh God, you are the one. Jesus, you are the one worthy of worship. No idol that has been exalted in our nation or in our world is worthy of proscunio, of pure worship, of a bowed heart. It says you are the one. Worship says you're the one. Worship says Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 came to pass in Jesus. It says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace and of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end and upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with just judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is why you see the signs, you see the chaos, you see the social unrest, you see the people we sent to Washington left their brains at home. You see it and you go, ah, I thought there was some hope in this republic. But then if you see the signs 
were really pointing to Jesus. And you're like, oh, oh, his government will increase. His government, there will be no end. And it will have order and justice. And God says this, my zeal will perform this. God says it over this nation and over this planet. I'm telling you, when you follow the signs to Jesus and you really begin to worship him, when you really begin to worship him, here's what you're saying. You are the one. You are the one. That is why in 2020, I think our worship needed to come to another level. Because every sign was saying, he's here. He's here. Turn to him. Lastly, there is a, a, another analogy from this story, which I think applies to us. See, when you follow the signs and when you follow Jesus, you give of your treasure. Now, traditionally, we understand that what they gave was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And lots of theologians love to talk about what that means as it pertains to Jesus. And I'll tell you what that is, and that's important. But here's the scene that you need to understand. These men, at risk of their lives, packed gold, packed frankincense, and packed myrrh. Most theologians think these men came from as far as India. And they would have been writing for months along the routes where spice was traded. And it was there that robbers would wait. And thieves would hide. Under threat of life. They said, no, no, no. I have got to give something to this king. You see, the gifts the wise men gave, they were going to reveal something about Jesus. You say, what did they reveal about Jesus? Well, first, gold says Jesus is king. Frankincense, which was used... uh, in, in worship by priests, it says Jesus is God. And myrrh says that Jesus is the sacrifice because myrrh was associated with suffering. So gold says he's the king. Frankincense says he's God. And myrrh says he's the sacrifice. Now it's wonderful to think That these three gifts reveal Jesus. However, what you need to understand is that it actually said something more personal to these men who were leaving a pagan culture coming into the presence of a holy king. Let me tell you, and this is what all of the signs have been telling us to do is to bring the gold of our lives and say, Jesus, you are my king. Listen, I invite your rule and dominion in my life. See, the signs have pointed us to find Jesus, but when you find him, did you find him as king?
Did you take the gold of your life and say, I will no longer rule over myself, but God, I will allow your domain to reign here. And it will be not my will, but your will be done. We pray it often. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. By the way, that's not just a regional prayer. That's a personal prayer. So when we bring the gold of our lives and we, we begin to give of ourselves, the first thing you give to Jesus when you find him is you give him the gold. You say, Jesus, you are king. But then there's one further revelation. It goes a step further. You need to bring the frankincense of your life. Remember, this is saying, Jesus, make it personal, you are my God. That's what the wise men giving this gift said. Jesus, you are my God. This is saying, God, you are worthy of my devotion. You say, how does frankincense say you're worthy of my devotion? Here's why. The greatest commandment is not love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second greatest commandment. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So when you bring him fr fr frankincense, when you see the signs and you find Jesus, you crown him king, and then you say, I love you, Jesus. I love you because you're God of all, and beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John chapter 1. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten. Full of grace and truth. The frankincense of your life. Are you still clinging and passing out frankincense to other lovers? Or have you seen the sign? And at risk of others trying to steal what belongs to Jesus, have you said, I'm bringing this to the feet of the one that deserves it all. And then lastly, we need to bring the myrrh. We need to bring the myrrh. Because the myrrh says that he is the sacrifice but when you give the myrrh of your life, here's what you are saying. God, I can no longer live this life under the weight of my sin and my separation from you. I can no longer, I can no longer bear this burden. When you are the sacrifice meant to carry it for me. You see, Mur says, I repent, and I believe you paid for me to be forgiven and free. Listen, all of the signs of this age are pointing toward Jesus. And what you bring when you find him is the gold. Make him king. 
It's the frankincense. Know him as God. He's God. He is God in flesh. We celebrate it in Christmas time. We call him Emmanuel. God with us. Is he God to you? And have you brought the myrrh of your life, the sin and the suffering that has to do with the humanistic way of this world and saying, God, I cannot save myself. I bring to you this suffering which you paid for on the cross. Church, listen to me. The signs aren't over. Just in a couple days, we're going to 2021. The signs aren't over. Y'all are like, I can't wait to go back to normal. Shame on you. Normal is why we're here. Normal. We're not going back to normal. Normal is why we've lost two generations to a humanistic culture and people think they can self-identify as a cat. That's normal. Let me tell you where normal left us. Since 1973, 60 million babies slaughtered in mother's wombs. That's normal. I'm not going back to normal. We're not going back to normal. Why? Because a star has risen and signs have come and they are pointing to the one. His name, Jesus. The answer won't be found in Tallahassee or Washington, D.C. It is found at the right hand of the Father and his name is Jesus. And the counsel of heaven that I have for you this day is this. Follow the signs. And worship him when you find him and give everything that belongs 